You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. People come to church for different reasons. For healing, for deliverance, for breakthrough. There are different reasons why people come to church. People come to church just to hear the Word so that they can grow in knowledge. So many people are seeking deliverance, breakthrough. They want to see God's works. They are here this morning with a promise, God, touch and change my life. And God wants to do that. He wants to touch and change your life. But it's not about just seeing God's works, but learning His ways. It's not about just seeing miracles, healings, deliverance, salvation, redemption. It's about learning God's ways. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. Israel saw the works, the miracles, but God made His ways known to Moses. It's not just about seeing the works. Lord, give me the miracle. Give me the breakthrough. Are you prepared to learn His ways? Because once you've received that miracle, how will you maintain it? Once you've received the breakthrough, how will you maintain it? The thing that sets us free is the truth. The Bible says you will know the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and it will set you free. Everybody here wants to be set free, delivered from something. Are you prepared to learn his ways? Because it's one thing to receive the works of God. But it's a completely different thing to maintain it. Remember the man that was healed in John chapter 5? When Jesus met him later on, Jesus said to him, Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing happens to you. He was saying, it's important that you learn my ways now. Based on Galatians 5 verse 22. So that you can maintain what you receive. Many people today are in church asking God to do what he had done in their lives already. Because when they received it, they did not learn God's ways, so they could not maintain it. Many people are here in church today discouraged. They're lifting their hands, but they're discouraged. Very quiet now. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. When you feel discouraged, when you come to church, just think about when you walked in here. You were maybe discouraged. There was a lot of things going in in your heart. And the end of the worship, you were not so worried, not so discouraged, discouraged anymore. Why? Because you had changed your focus from your own situation. When you are discouraged, you are focused upon yourself. When you are discouraged, you are focused upon your own situation. When you are discouraged, you are thinking about, do you know what this person did to me? And what it's going to take now to restore this and to get through this. And your focus is upon yourself. 
That's why after worship, you feel much better, your heart feels much lighter, because you've changed your focus from the facts to the truth. Your situation that you're facing, those facts are real. I'm not saying it's a lie. You might be feeling down. You might be feeling, I'm not going to accomplish anything in life. But as soon as you get in God's presence, He will tell you, I've got good thoughts about you. I've planned good things about you. Things not to harm you, things not to hurt you, but I want to give you a future and a hope. The biggest problem we have today in our society, people don't know the God that they worship. Remember Jesus in John chapter 4. He said to the women, you don't know what you worship. People are worshiping God and they're saying, God, help me. But they don't know who this God is. He came to set the captives free. And if you know the truth about what God says about you, you too also today can be set free. That's why I say many people don't know the God that they serve. I think it's A.W. Tozer that said, if you know what a church leadership believes about God, you can predict the future of that church with certainty. Many people know about God. They know God. Say, so I know there's a God. But what do you believe about God? Do you believe that He wants to help you? Do you believe that He wants to take you from where you are to where He wants you to be? The biggest mistake that we make, we try and figure God out with our minds. You can never do that. What God will do if you try and figure it out with your natural mind, it will not make sense. But if you believe God is busy perfecting everything concerning you, you will believe it and know that God is in control. Remember, when Jesus died on the cross, the disciples said God is dead. It didn't make sense from a natural point of view. But in heaven, God the Father was sitting back, folding his arms and saying, I'm busy with the plan of salvation. It might not seem like it, but I'm more in control than ever before. My son has not lost focus. He has said, my will be done and not his own will. Turn to the person next to you and say, the truth will set you free. Tell them again, say, the truth will set you free. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 8. Turn to the person next to you. Say to them, there is hope for you. Say, so don't look at your situation. Don't look at your circumstances. God is in control. Family, listen to me. No condition is permanent. No condition is permanent. So never ever accept your current temporary situation as your future permanent situation. No condition is permanent. The facts that you are facing right now, the facts that maybe your fridge is empty, you have not paid any bills, those facts can change tomorrow. John 8 verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in me and my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
What does it mean? God wants to set you free. Your situation that you are facing right now, the way that you are looking at it, is keeping you bound. But God says, I want to tell you the truth about this, and it will liberate you. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. There's two kinds of knowledge about the truth. The one kind of knowledge comes from your senses, your mind. It's ruled by your emotions and your feelings. Something bad can happen and you really feel bad. It's not a lie. Somebody can say something to you that hurts you and it really hurts. Those are facts based upon your senses. But there's a truth beyond your senses. And that's what God says about your situation. It's revelation truth. It's revelation truth. It is a Joseph in the pit, being thrown in the pit by his brothers. And he has revelation to say, I know where I belong. I don't belong in the pit. I belong in the palace. A revelation, knowing what God has planned for you. That revelation knowledge is what brings freedom in people's lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you. Tell them again, say, there's hope for you. So this knowledge that we have about our facts, maybe you have 20 people that's angry with you, 30 people that want to fight with you, people that have stolen things from you, people that have lied about you. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Are you living in the same world that I live in? Those things are the truth. Where the devil will come and say, you the tail. Where the devil will say, you're going to go under. But there's a God that says, you're going to go over. You're the head, you're not the tail. And the fact that you know that knowledge doesn't change anything. You have to believe it with all your heart. You need revelation that God has planned the best for you. Amen? On the 24th of September this year, public holiday, I'll be married for 25 years. It's wonderful to be married for 25 years, but do you know in 25 years you can have quite a few disagreements with your wife? Or is it only pastors that write that test? But even when you have a disagreement, even when things don't go exactly the way that you want to, those facts can press against you. Sometimes as a husband, we still have some weaknesses we have to deal with. Facts. When you say you're not going to get angry with the poodle again, and then the poodle makes you angry. And as a pastor, you surrender your emotions to a dog that cannot even talk to you. Those are sometimes real facts that we face. I'm using a simple example. 
But just because you have that one weakness, it doesn't nullify the good things that God has done already. Don't focus upon the weakness, but get God's opinion about your situation. When you have revelation that this is the wife that God has given you, you're going to hold on. You can say, Jesus, help me. And you're not focusing upon the facts anymore, but you're focusing upon the truth. Listen to me. The Bible says the word of God is settled in heaven forever. That means the highest position, the truth, Jesus, the word, holds that. So facts might be real, but we focus upon the truth. The truth is God is thinking good things about you. The truth is when God made you, formed you, shaped you, he had a design for you, he had a purpose for you. The prophet said, while you were in your mother's womb, I called you. In your mother's womb, you had a purpose. Something good that God has planned for you. That one thing that will glorify God's name through your life. But the enemy also has a plan for you to kill, steal, and destroy. And those are facts. But God has a plan for you to give you life and life in abundance. Where will you place your focus? Upon the facts or the truth? If it's on the facts, you'll be talking about the facts. You know how much they hurt me, how much they've disappointed me. How many times have they done that? But if you start focusing upon the truth, you'll know what God wants to do. And you'll start saying thank you to Jesus. Amen? Turn to the person next. You say there is hope for you. Family, listen to me. Knowing facts about Jesus does not change your relationship with God. You need revelation. Amen? Knowing facts about a person doesn't change your relationship. You need revelation. When you have, have revelation about what God has planned for you, it will change everything in your life. You'll know that God has planned good things for you. You might even know the word. You're reading the word. You're confessing scriptures. But how much has changed in your life? One of the biggest problems we have today, people come to a church service like today, and they listen and they hear, be careful what you confess, what you say. And they even change their confession. They will say, I'm blessed. I'm healed. I'm delivered. But nothing in their life changes. They're not prepared to learn his ways. And if you want to maintain that, you have to learn his ways. Turn to the person next to you and say, learn his ways. Here we are today. You're in church. It's, it's very symbolic. The church is the body of Christ. It's the reservoir of God's power. A matter of fact, it's here to remind us that inside of you, there's something hidden, the glory of God. You know what's so hard so? Many people go to church, but they never become part of the church. They do church, but they never find their rightful place in the body of Christ. The church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he is the head, 
and we are the members. And on the inside of you, there's glory. Remember, the Bible teaches us, Adam in the beginning were clothed with God's glory. Romans says, everybody has sinned, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means from the beginning, God had planned glory for you. Do you believe that truth? If you believe that God has planned glory for you, raise your hand. If you believe that you were made to manifest the glory of God, raise your hand. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 1 verse 27. Turn to the person next to you say, I need the truth to set me free today. The truth is, if you have revelation of that, you'll know that the truth has set you free already. But because you don't have that revelation, you don't believe it, so you don't act it. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Gentiles, those that were not in covenant with God. He said there's a mystery that they don't know that the glory of God is on the inside of you and of me. Romans 5 teaches us when we hated him, when we wanted nothing to do with him, he married us. He made himself one with us. If you know that the glory of God is on the inside of you, your behavior will change. But you need God to touch your heart and bring that revelation. Let me hear you pray. Say, precious Father, open my heart so that I would understand your word. Open my heart so that I would understand your word. Bring revelation, Lord, that I've been set free so that I can be free indeed. In Jesus' name. Family, you need revelation to know even as you are sitting here Maybe this morning on your way to church, you said, I'm going to get it right this morning. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to drive nice. I'm going to be friendly. And before you walked out of the door, you've messed up already. The revelation you need is that God has removed your sin completely. Completely. That when God the Father looks at you, when you are in Christ Jesus... He does not see any sin. That doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake. You're in a place where you know he who knew no sin. The only sin that Jesus Christ knew is your sin and my sin. But he himself never sinned. And we here, we've never been righteous. But we receive his righteousness. So that he who knew no sin became sin. So that us here can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you have that revelation that you are positioned in Christ Jesus. 
And when God the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your behavior will change. You know what's the biggest problem today? People lack confidence in what they believe. Because if you believe that you're the righteousness of God, your behavior will change. But you don't believe that you're the righteousness of God, so now your behavior does not change. When you talk to people, if you believe that you're the righteousness of God, your speech will be that of a righteous man. Now when you pray, your prayers will be different. Your actions will be different. You'll know that wherever you go, the Bible teaches us that the eyes of the Lord is upon the righteous. And His ears are open to their prayers. Not your self-righteousness, what you've done, that sense knowledge where you say, well, I'm doing everything right. I didn't do anything wrong. You're reasoning in a natural realm where God wants to lift you up into a spiritual realm of victory in Christ Jesus. There the enemy can accuse you, but you will not retaliate because you know God's opinion about you and you're not looking at the opinion what the world says about you. People run in the wrong direction. You say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. And you pray and you see God answers a prayer. And you say, Lord, help me. And you see the Lord's helping you. And suddenly you find yourself in a place where God is quiet. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? We say, Lord, what should I do? And he's quiet. And the greatest mistake we make there, we go back to our old ways. Saul was the one who removed all the mediums, all the witch doctors. He said, it will not be allowed. And as soon as Samuel was not there, couldn't get hold of the pastor, what did he do? He went and he consulted a medium. He went and consulted a witch doctor. When God is quiet, he is still saying something. Don't lose heart. When God is quiet, he is still saying something. Don't fall back in your own ways. God wants to help you. That's the truth. Just think for one minute. Somebody that you really love, what would you be prepared to do for that person? Anything. But somebody that does not love you, that hate you, that's slandering your name, saying bad things about you, trying to kill, steal, and destroy in your life, would you be prepared to do those same things to that person that hates you that you are prepared to do for the person that you love? That's Jesus' love towards me and you. More than what you can understand with your natural mind, that's why you need revelation of how much God loves you. Need revelation to know that God is busy perfecting everything concerning you. Amen? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you. Tell them there's hope for me. To them who God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ came to restore glory in your life and in my life. 
If you have that revelation, hold on to it. Start to walk. Start to talk. Start to move around like a person with a purpose. Jesus Christ was extremely focused. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. That should give all of us hope to know that what Jesus went through is what God the Father required of him. When we start living that life, nothing is too much. Then it's not the sacrifices that I make, but I'm prepared to be obedient to his word because I'm busy learning his ways. Amen? Go to Romans 4 verse 17. I want to show you something. Abraham. Abraham. He faced some real challenges. The facts that he was looking in the eyes. Can you imagine a prophet comes to you and tells you at the age of 100, you're going to have a child. That's exactly what happened. Sometimes think about it. Turn to the person next to you. Say to them, faith sees the invisible. Tell them again. Say, faith sees the invisible. Tell them, faith believes the impossible. And faith receives the incredible. Tell them again. Say, faith sees the invisible. Faith believes the impossible. And faith receives the incredible. Do you believe that? Look at the situation that Abraham faced. 4 verse 17. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham had serious facts that he had to face. He was a hundred years old when God said, I'm going to give you your promise. Not only he, but his wife. The Bible says the deadness of her womb. That means her woman parts did not function the way it's supposed to function. It means it was impossible. And God said to him, look up at the stars and see. Family, a Christian is not known by what he just says with his mouth, but what he believes. The Bible says, who contrary to hope in hope, it means hope from a natural point of view was saying it's impossible. But he did not put his hope in what he saw. He put his hope in what God said. And he said he believed. 
and he started giving thanks to God, giving glory to God, exalting God, saying thank you for the child. Family, listen to me. Sometimes we find ourselves where we want to believe God and we have a promise. Like the father that came to Jesus with the demon-possessed child and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Abraham himself had a little bit of unbelief. Remember, his wife made plan B, Ishmael. That happened. But God said, I've not changed my mind. I've not changed my mind. Amen? It's okay sometimes to doubt. If you don't have the truth, remember Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night. He said, I want to find out about you. What's going on? I've been in ministry for 30 years. I'm teaching the Jews. I'm teaching the Pharisees the word of God. And I look at your ministry and I see signs, wonders, and miracles. Why is this happening? I want to know the truth. Jesus said to him, I'm going to give you the truth. If you're not born again, you'll not be able to see it. There's the secret. You need to be born again. It's not how much you know. It's who you are linked up with. And when you are linked up with God, defeat and failure are things of the past. But too many people are serving God from here. It's time to get born again. Because when you are born again, you are linked up with God. You are born of love. Now your nature will change. Your behavior will change. Your speech will change. In the Welsh revival, when the miners got saved, they had to replace all the donkeys. Why? Because the donkeys only understood bleepity bleep, 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 bleep. And when the guys got saved, their language got saved. So now they were saying, please, nice donkey, can you help me? And the donkeys were just standing. What are you talking? What are you saying? So I'm not going to bleepity bleep, bleep, bleep anymore. Let's replace the donkeys. Amen? So when you become born again, you're going to have to replace some things in your life. Amen. Some things will have to change in your life. Amen. Do you believe that you are born again? If you are linked up with God, things will change in your life. Abraham, who contrary to hope in, in hope, believed, and he became the father of many nations. The Bible says he started speaking and calling things into existence. Your faith can never rise above your confession. So be very careful what you say. If you say nothing good can ever come of this relationship, why are you disappointed when nothing good comes out of this relationship? Because that is what you are confessing. If you're saying these children are always naughty, why are you complaining when they're always naughty? It's what you are confessing. It's time to get heaven's opinion and don't look at the facts. Get the truth because the truth will set you free. If you have a disagreement with somebody and you get angry or you drive to work and you say, I'm finished with road rage and now suddenly somebody pulls in front of you or does something and you get angry, don't look at the facts and start confessing the facts and say, oh, well, this Christianity thing doesn't work. I'm angry again and I'm more angry than the previous time. God doesn't love me. No, those are facts. Say, Lord, forgive me for making that mistake. Help me, Lord. I know you want me to be the best, calmest driver on the road and change your confession. Amen? What is the relationship between truth and the revelation that you have of the truth. Because many times people hold the truth, 
but they cannot act it. There's a relationship between faith and the truth. Faith and the truth. Sometimes we have this new thing. I'm just speaking my mind. I'm just saying what I feel. And people go on social media and they write down. What is the relationship between faith and truth? The facts are Abraham's body was dead. He was 100 years old. Sarah's womb was dead. Those were the facts. So when, if you want to live in that realm of the natural, then those are the facts and you can confess that. But you are a woman and a man of God with a promise. And if you believe that, you have to start to confess that. Bible says, Abraham, we don't say, oh, this Abraham, what a hypocrite. What a phony, fake dude was this. He knows he's 100 years old, and now he's saying, he's, let's just get real. Do you see that? No, you don't see that. You see here, who contrary to hope in hope believed, and he changed his confession. What is it that you believe? What realm is it that you want to live in? What if David approached Goliath and he said, let's just be real, it's a giant. Let's just be honest now. I just want to be honest, I'm a short Hebrew boy. He has a big spear, he has a shield. Let's just be honest, all that I have is just five little stones. I think I'm just going to run away and throw it, let him slip on it, maybe I can get away. No! When that giant had a confession and said, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. He was confessing from the realm of defeat and failure. But David, a young boy, found himself in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus and he said, no, you've not come against me, you've come against my God. I'm going to kill you and feed your flesh to the birds of the air. He was being real. He was truthful to what he believed, and he acted upon it. It's time for us to step into the realm of victory in Christ Jesus. Why is God perfect? Because he is spirit. Where do we worship God? Do we worship him in the natural? No, we worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth that will set you free is a revelation that comes from the inside of your heart. Because that's where God communicates with you. Can you see the importance to be born again? To be linked up with God? 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Now you're moving closer to being set free. Not, this woman always makes me angry. This man always makes me angry. My boss is always difficult. Start changing your confession. This is the job that God gave me. Lord, I thank you for this job. Thank you, Lord, that you use me as an instrument of glory here to bring change, Lord. Anybody can complain. Anybody can look at the situation and the circumstances. You don't know what they do to me. I signed a contract to work from 8 to 4, and I have to be here at 7, and sometimes I only finish at 7. And you're murmuring and you're complaining. There are many people who would love to jump into your shoes right now and say, give me the seven to seven. As a matter of fact, I'll give you six to eight. Just give me a job. Go to Acts 16 verse 14. I want to show you something. Remember earlier on, I let you pray the prayer that God would open your heart. The Bible teaches us 
that Lydia, she sold clothes. But when her focus was on Jesus, she was worshiping God. The Lord opened her heart so that she could understand what Paul was saying. He was the one who brought revelation. When God brings revelation that as a Christian, you're supposed to bring peace wherever you go and not fight the whole time. When you have that revelation, it will change your behavior. You'll stop saying, well, I just have to speak my mind. Why don't you stop speaking your mind and give them a little bit of your spirit that's linked up with God? And it's next time when you say, you're only naughty, say, you know what? I know what God has planned for you. When you were a baby, we prayed over you. And God told us you're going to do great things for God. You were predestined for greatness. It might be tough what you are going through right now, but God is allowing this to shape you and to form you so you can be a masterpiece in his hand and do what he's called you to do. Give them a bit of spirit. Give them a bit of truth. And that will set them free. Well, they say, okay, I'm going to endure and see it through. But we live in a society today where we say, I just want to speak what I feel. And then we come and we say we're not truthful. Abram was being truthful to the promise that God gave him. From a natural point of view, everybody must have ridiculed him and said, the old crazy man, what are you thinking? Let's just be real. You are 100 years old. He said, those are the facts. Let me tell you about the truth, the one who gave me the promise. And he held on to that. Because in the same way as Lydia's heart had a revelation, he said, I've got revelation of who God is. Remember, God took him and he broke bread with him and he gave him wine. Remember, when he met with him, do you know what that means? It means he had revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He knew that one would come and die and be made alive. So when God said to him, I've come to test you, take your son, your only begotten son, the one that you love, go sacrifice him. Abram says, I know. I'm not leaving a month from now. I'm not fasting about it. I'm not getting the opinion of anybody. The next morning, early he left. The Bible says when he went, when the servant said, where are you going? He said, me and this lad, we're going yonder to worship now. You might look from a natural point of view. If I tell you I'm going to sacrifice my son, your response might discourage me. But I've heard from God. What God asks from me when I give it becomes part of my worship. He says, me and the lad, we're going yonder to worship. You stay here. I don't need doubt. I don't need unbelief. I'm busy with the truth. God is setting me free. He says, let's go. The Bible says when he had to kill his son, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, he believed that even if he would kill his son, God was able to raise him from the dead. Where did he get that revelation? Jesus revealed to him that my son, the Messiah, would come and he would die and be made alive and you would be resurrected in Christ and be a new creation in Christ to fulfill what I've called you to do. And the Bible says, when he obeyed, it was accounted as righteousness to him. What makes you in good standing with God? Righteousness. What produces the miracles in your life? Righteousness. What changes your speech towards people that curse you? Righteousness.
when you confess with your mouth salvation, anybody can say, I'm a Christian. But in your heart, you believe unto righteousness. Righteousness is not for those who confess it. It's those who believe it. When you have a revelation of what God has done in your life. Remember Nathaniel, when Philip said, let me take you to Jesus. He's from Nazareth. What was his response? What good can come from Nazareth? Do you know what that is? That's prejudice. As soon as he met with Jesus, the truth, his view changed because revelation came and he knew that this was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The truth has set you free already. Psalm 27 that I was quoting on earlier on, what does verse 1 say? The Lord is the light of my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're becoming strong. David didn't say, the light is shining bright and bright. He was saying, the Lord is my light. So if the Lord is my light, wherever I go, if there's darkness, guess what? That light where I go is expelling darkness. The Lord is my strength. Whenever I feel weak, say, Lord, you are my strength. Turn to the person next to you and say, he has set me free. Tell them again, say, he has set me free. Today you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. When you spend time with Jesus, it's a time for healing, it's a time for deliverance, it's a time for breakthrough. You're in God's presence. Let me close. Luke 24 verse 30. Family, listen to me. All acts of faith. Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus at night. Nathaniel, when he came to Jesus and he said, what good can come out of Nazareth? All acts of faith are acts of self-surrender. To surrender yourself to God and his ways. Like Jesus touched and opened the heart of Lydia to know and understand the truth, the truth that set her free. Open your heart so that God can touch your heart and you'll be set free today. I'm closing. Luke 24 verse 31. You can read it. These men are walking with Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus. And when Jesus sat down with them, the Bible teaches us when Jesus sat down with them and he took the bread and he broke it open, the word became revelation to them. Their eyes were opened. And as soon as their eyes were opened, the Bible says they disappeared. But the next verse they said, do you remember when we spoke to him how our hearts on the inside were burning because Jesus was busy bringing revelation. They knew something was going on in their spirits, but they didn't quite know what until the Lord broke it open for them. 
and it brought revelation, and they knew that this was Jesus the Christ. And immediately the Bible said they got up, and they went and they told the disciples, He is risen. He's alive. We saw Him. Because Jesus is alive, your life will never be the same ever again. Family, listen to me. I want to close with this. You don't know Jesus by your feelings. You don't know Jesus by your feelings. You know Jesus by the word of God. Why do I say that? Because sometimes you pray and you don't see your prayer answered immediately. And you feel disappointed and you say, God, where are you? You know God by the word. Psalm 65 says, he is the God that hears prayers. So if you've been praying and asking God, he's heard you. He might be considering your prayer request. Because we look at these things from a natural point of view, we want to reason about it. But God might be considering your prayer request just to strengthen your desire for Him, to strengthen your prayer life. He might even be preserving you or keeping you for a promotion. You wouldn't know. But when you know that you are linked up with God, you know that God has heard your prayer. When you're positioned in Christ Jesus, you know that your eyes are upon Him. Believing is possessing. Believing is possessing. When you believe, the job is half done. But believing happens from our hearts. So what we need is God to open our hearts so that we should stop worrying, stop doubting. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.